0: There is a medical doctor named Matthew Sleeth who converted to Christianity later in life and has done some incredible writing about the Sabbath from a medical perspective. He writes about the Sabbath from a medical perspective. And as a doctor, he's the first to acknowledge the impact that physical stress is having on our busier lifestyles. So his whole case is he advocates for putting down our habits of hustling 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and trying to keep up with this pace only six days a week, if we must. He's funny, too, in case you can't tell. He writes, at the very worst, we are never more than six days away from a holy perspective. At the very worst, we are never more than six days away from a holy perspective. I think his medical analysis is helpful for so many reasons, beginning with the fact that he doesn't try and shame us, but acknowledges the pace that we all keep for different reasons. And his recommendations are not that we change everything all at once, but to start with small changes that we can build upon. I don't think Dr. Slees' medical perspective is too far off from the example that Jesus offers with the woman who has been crippled, meaning the impact of the Sabbath is not just what some might regard as spiritual, but manifests itself in physical ways. For the woman whom Jesus encountered, her whole perspective changed when she was healed. Instead of seeing only the feet of the people who had passed her by her for 18 years, she was able to look people in the eye for the first time those who had overlooked and diminished her very being now came into very clear focus. I have a lot of wonders, a lot of wonders as to what we, she did with this new view of the world. The posture of the woman who was known only by her medical condition, not by her name, can be used as a metaphor for that which plagues humanity, a lack of perspective. We are want to be consumed by worries about success or happiness or wellness or fill in your own blank. Or we are honestly stuck in systems of oppression that are so much bigger than that which we can overcome on our own. So each of these extremes and everything in between fails to keep at the center of our life that which has been accomplished by Jesus. Jesus says to the woman who was bent over, woman, you are set free from your ailment. You are made whole. You are forgiven. You are loved. You will be with me in paradise. Let the rest of it go. Just as the unnamed woman could not will herself to see things beyond her perspective as she suffered from a very real physical ailment, we often lack the ability to gain perspective while we are in the midst of whatever it is that's consuming our attention. So I want to wonder with you this morning how this practice of Sabbath might serve to shift our perspective. Now, just a couple of reminders from the biblical text. The tradition of Sabbath goes back as far as our relationship with God. We're first introduced to the concept of Sabbath in the book of Genesis, when God rests from the work of creating the universe. And then in the book of Exodus, we get the concept of Sabbath for humanity. As a part of the Ten Commandments, we are commanded to rest as God rested on the seventh day. And then in the fifth chapter of the book of Deuteronomy, God re-emphasizes this point of Sabbath because they hadn't gotten it in the book of Genesis or in the book of Exodus, making it clear that it is a day to be kept as holy in recognition of the Israelites' delivery from slavery. The Israelites at this point in the book of Deuteronomy are out of the proverbial woods, but it seems that God wants the Israelites to keep in mind the very thin line that exists between flourishing and struggling, the very thin line that exists between flourishing and struggling. In this particular example, God makes it clear that it would be dangerous to lose the perspective of their flourishing and the memory of all that they have been through wandering in the wilderness for 40 years, keeping a regular rhythm that makes space to reflect will help to prevent that possibility. Humanity complicated this commandment from God, to say the least. Or according to one biblical scholar, a religious observance that is to remember and honor the liberation of God's people thus becomes in the hands of the Pharisees a means of social control and oppression. A means of social control and oppression. Jesus has a lot to say about this. Throughout the gospels Jesus reminds us that the Sabbath is made not for the Sabbath was made for humankind not humankind for the Sabbath meaning we are creatures of God's own creative delight God delights in our existence and we ought to do the same of God We are not put on earth simply to excel at following rules There's more to it than that but first in the Jewish tradition and now just as earnestly in the Christian tradition, we have heard God's invitation and we have tried to make it into something legalistic. So this morning I want to invite you to reflect on what a true Sabbath looks like and how you might begin to make pra- make space to practice it once a week. Consider what practices What habits will help you create enough space to sit in wonder of the gift of God's mercy and grace? I have a friend who spends part of her Sabbath every week talking with strangers at the same coffee shop. She's really clear that making space to encounter the holiness in others reminds her of the wildly creative nature of God. She creates hours in her day for this space and doesn't go in with any outcomes in mind. It's been deeply spiritually grounding for her. While that makes my introverted heart tired, I am in awe of the faithfulness of this practice that she has. One of the things that has been holy for me in this new season of motherhood is using a part of my weekly sabbath to reflect on just the past seven days with my son the wisdom about parenthood goes the days are long and the years are short and at this age the change that happens even in the span of a week is mind-boggling so stopping to reflect and give thanks just on the last seven days leaves me full of awe every time I know someone else whose Sabbath involves an uninterrupted nap on Sunday afternoons. She makes a very large um, feast for her family after church. She leaves her phone in the kitchen, and then no one is to disturb her as she naps on Sunday afternoon. And it is a very grounding thing for her. I think a lot about the caretakers among us. But those who do that work for a living and those who find themselves in a circumstance where they are caring for a sick family member, they know the need for Sabbath better than most because their work is never ending. But if they don't find time to rest, they cannot care for the person whom they are looking after. Sometimes finding space to rest from this deeply holy work is the only way to remember that God is God and we are not. It's the only way to keep going for another day. So I want to invite you today, this morning, to think more about how any of these examples might translate to your life. How can you keep within your view the thin line that separates struggling, flourishing, and struggling, no matter what phase of life you are in. Look again to the woman who is healed by Jesus. Woman, you are set free from your ailment. Jesus accomplished all that needs to be done in this earthly life. By the grace of God, we are forgiven. We are set free both from earthly and eternal ailments. Stopping to delight that we are inheritors of Jesus' graceful love is perhaps our highest calling. And yet, it's very easy to get distracted by all that is in front of us. Perhaps if we return to the original intent of the Sabbath, we might find a reasonable starting point to pick up this invitation to be observant. Dr. Emily Towns writes, we are inheritors of the gift of the healing of the bent over woman who stood up straight and began praising God. Amen.